All right. Nice to meet you guys. I'm ready to go. Yes, here we are, everybody. Welcome to the Gio and Joey Show. We have a wonderful guest. Many of you know her on X as the based mother. I kept thinking it was the based mom, but it's the based mother. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Joey, how are you doing? Better than I deserve. Amen, brother. Hey, tell the audience how we made this connection and where we're going before we go further on in the interview. Yeah, no. So um, I think I think she reached out. She showed us this documentary, and then as soon as so I watched it the, the same night. I think Geo messaged me. I watched it. And I'm like, dude, you gotta watch this. We gotta we gotta do this interview because it's really good. Um, and I think it's about it's about the kind of issue right. Like right now, we're in election season, right? There's tons of contentious issues, but like this is the kind of issue that literally should unite everybody. And obviously we'll get into this, right? Some of the disparate groups that you ended up having that you wouldn't think would be on the same page, but they are, right? Because like at the end of the day, when it comes to the innocence of children, like you don't have to be a religious conservative or you shouldn't have to be a religious conservative to be like, hey, let's protect kids, right? And so... I know that's what once we saw the documentary, we're like, oh, we got to do this interview. It's an important okay. conversation. Awesome. Yes. Let's have let's watch the trailer because I think the trailer itself is very compelling. And then we'll dive right into it. Are you guys familiar with either of these books? This is in school. I don't think it, it, it will be shown in a school. I don't yes. think it's a part of education. Up until about five minutes ago, I was just your average American mother. Then Sunny put me on YouTube and we started speaking our minds. Have you heard of the based mother? What started out as fun has turned into a mission I never saw coming. One to protect America's children from being sexualized by our school system. What would you think of a teacher that wanted to talk about this with his or her students? They should be jailed. The teachers are not responsible for teaching my great-grandchildren how to stick it up somebody's ass. <laughs> well, if you or I gave it to kids in school, Parents would have us locked up. It's literally sexual abuse of children. I think that's what makes books like these really important and in a lot of ways beautiful toward the human experience because they tell us what it's like to be someone else. You won't hear this on the mainstream media, but these really important books are loaded with filth that isn't fit for children. This got to get out. I love all kinds of people, all genders, but this is wrong for a child to see that right now. I showed these books on YouTube and got banned for it, but that's all right. I brought it to people the Gen X way, face to face. Showing a child pornography and forcing a child to have sexual conversations. That is in the definition of sexual abuse. While I was out there, I found out it was even worse than I imagined. I can get arrested for showing it to a kid in the mall, but if I cross the threshold into a school, it's okay to show it to them there. Right. Oh my God. There's no reason for that to be given to kids. Now that you've gotten a glimpse into these books, will you be adding these to your homeschool curriculum? <laughs> Absolutely not. I feel like it's better that they learn it at school. That is powerful. So tell me, how did you get involved? Because many people don't want this in their schools or at home, but they don't do anything about it. What made you so passionate to get involved and do something about it? Whether, like you said earlier, there are so many issues that we as Americans are facing right now from sexualization of children to immigration problems to, you know, inflation, the economy, crime, war. I mean, <laughs> we're all sitting around the kitchen table screaming about this stuff uh, to our friends and our family. And I, I wanted to do something more than that more, but it's overwhelming. So I, I felt this issue just kept coming at me and I kept seeing things that on the media that were talking about book bans and everybody and I and so I started to look at those books and I realized that the media was lying about it, them they're making them sound like it's all about love and inclusion and just letting everybody's you know just be themselves and the, the there's levels of like filth in those books that I as a middle-aged woman don't need to even know exist never mind a child 
who doesn't understand boundaries and what's good and bad for them. And I was sitting around the kitchen table this past summer with a bunch of family members telling them about what I was learning. And they and ha- almost more than half of the people at the table just like rolled their eyes and were like, whatever, Elena. Like I was just spouting some right wing conspiracy stuff. And I realized that it was just too deep. People don't know. They believe the media and they they had to know the truth. So that's why I did this. I'm not a documentarian. I've never made a film before. How the quality of the film is very good. So w- give me a little bit of the background on that. Like, because you said you're not a documentary, but it came out very good. Thank you. Um, I've always, I've been a writer uh, in various capacities since I was a kid. So I had that going for me and my son has a YouTube channel and his editor, I told him about the project and he you know, he he just got passionate about it and he believes in it and he thinks children should be protected, which, as you said, should not be controversial. I mean, mm-hmm. how did we get to this place where this is an issue? Um, and so he came on. So he did the, you know, a lot of the filming and, mm-hmm. you know, the on-site interviews. Um, but I just, I, I literally watched, say, like a dozen Tucker Carlson interviews um, and, and just kind of and took notes on how he asked questions because I had never gone and interviewed anybody before. And I was interviewing the president of Gays Against Groomers and Terry Schilling of the American Principles Project, who's on the on the news on, uh, you know, almost a daily basis. So he's used to professionals. So I just taught myself how to do it. I studied documentaries. I studied Mm. storytelling. I did the research. And I was just determined to tell a true, good story. And I left out 90% of what I learned because otherwise it would have been 10 hours long. Mm -hmm. I'll have to do the sequel. Yes. That's a good point, Joey. How, How has your attitude not no not attitude how have you changed through this because look and the reason i say because i'm a minister my wife's a doctor you know you see certain things or people share certain things with me and you have to protect yourself from being hardened in a way that it becomes callous to anything around you how has making this documentary changed you personally so the interview you saw in the trailer about homeschooling, that is my mm-hmm. pastor and his wife from Boston, and they are homeschoolers. And after they were the very first interview I did, and afterwards I said, ah, how'd I do? You know, because I know them well. And they said, <laughs> he said, you know, you seemed, he goes, you were, you were pretty good. You asked good questions. But when you were talking about the material, you seemed really uncomfortable, like your voice was cracking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The very next day we were in New York and I was doing street interviews, talking to people just walking up to people and showing them these vulgar images. And by the end of the day, it was like second nature. And I realized, you know, I was cha- I was just getting used, I was being groomed to be used to having, talking about these things mm-hmm. with strangers. And I, if I can be groomed, how easily a child can be groomed. Um, but for me, I mean, I am, I am a prayer. I pray for strength every day. And I just pray, Amen. you know, for protection from... Uh, the, the darkness the dark side of this because I do get some hate messages uh, and, mm-hmm. and and you know constant barrage of insults on social media and you know when when you have when you have God and you have prayer like those things I either have two reactions I either brush it off and don't care or when I'm being a very good person I will say a quick prayer for the person who said something mean for me mean to me. <laughs> That that is awesome, and I teach people that. Look, if you can't pray for your enemies, then there's something deeper going on in your heart. What have what have been some of the positive comments you have received? Because look, I know the negative comments are going to come, and I want to ask certain questions about that. But what has been some of the reactions you have seen about this movie that have been positive and and makes you know it's been worthwhile doing it? Well, the, the the most positive thing is, wow, I didn't know that was happening in my state. You know, I thought that we were immune to it. I didn't know that it was legal to show pornography in my state. And now I want to do something about it. Um, that's really positive. The, the fact that people just had no idea 
um, how deep and how broad this this problem is, and they are grateful to me for doing this. Um, I have a friend in South Carolina who is bringing it to her legislators because they're trying to eliminate the obscenity exemptions to make it illegal to show pornography. So she wants to, them to use it as a tool in their fight against this. And anybody that wants to use it, I made it free to watch for that reason. I want every parent mm -hmm. in America to see it. So, um, yeah, just, you know, I, it has been more by far, I've received more encouragement and positivity than, than negativity. I, I want to jump in here real quick. So one thing that I really like that we said is you're talking about obscenity and there's been uh, an idea on the right over the last 20, 30 years, right, that free speech means all sorts of things that it never meant originally, right? Until like the late 90s, right? Pornography was never included in free speech. And I think understanding that difference that you're bringing, I, I really like to bring that up. So it's like, we got to not be hobbled by this, right? There's a difference between the, the former president being kicked off Twitter for his political speech and what you and what so many parents are doing, just saying, hey, don't show our kids porn, right? There's a big difference. But then that's the that's the thing that I always get when I talk about this. Somebody in love will be like, oh, but what about free speech? What about free speech? I'm like, um, no, <laughs> like that's not free speech. We know the difference. There uh, are limits to free one speech. Of the, one of the jurists, I forget who it was on the Supreme Court, said, um, I can't define obscenity. I can't define pornography, but I know it when I see it. I was like, all rational people, yes. we know the difference between your ideas, which should be protected. Listen, I don't like communists. They can speak. But, you know, there's a difference. There's a distinction between pornography and speech. How do you draw that distinction? Well, you know, the, the what the courts also said was that obscenity is defined by uh, the community. Each community in America has a right to mm -hmm. kind of decide what is too obscene. But that is specifically for the adults in that community. So mm -hmm. anything that involves, you know, nudity, lewd behavior, overtly sexual behavior is off limits to children. And every state has criminal uh, criminal laws on the books that show that if you show a child pornography, you're, you're, you'll go to jail. You'll be criminally prosecuted. And these exemptions have now been placed, it put into place in uh, for originally 44, and now it's thank goodness down to 39 states where you know you get you get a get out of jail free card if you show it to a kid in a school or a library, and it's okay there, and it doesn't make any sense because if it's harmful to children on one side of the threshold, it is harmful to them on the other side of the threshold. Tell us a little bit more about those laws, because to be frank, I didn't learn about them until I saw your documentary. I had always wondered, how could they get away with showing this? How did you mention in the documentary how these laws got started? Where are they now and what can be done? Myself, Joey, I live in Texas. He's in Michigan. What can we do to help repeal those kind of laws? Okay, so it started... So back in the late, I'll give you the abridged version. In the late 40s, Alfred Kinsey started doing sexual experiments on children. And in his mind, he decided that children were sexual from birth. The Rockefeller Foundation, yes, the Rockefellers you're thinking of, Rockefeller Center, the Rock Radio City Music Hall Rockettes, those people, they have a foundation. They funded Kinsey. And once he finished his research, they then created a legal, a legal guild of lawyers and lobbyists who, went, who created a model penal code, which would make it create an exemption for showing pornography to children because they believed that children were sexual from birth and should be treated as such. So in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, they went around the country and convinced 44 states that this was okay to put these exemptions on the books. Now, fast forward to today, and it's gotten so extreme and so obscene what's in the schools that five states recently in the past few years repealed the exemptions. Um, and so now we only have a, uh, we have 11 what you would call safe states, but that's only safe from a criminal standpoint. If you look into each of those states, the books that are, are being uh, questioned 
and, and the materials are still in all of those states. And, how did we, yeah. Yeah. How do we get, because I'm pretty sure the books you shared with those people in New York City weren't there in the 40s and 50s. Correct. How did it creep up to, because look, I know the people in the 40s and 50s would have never put up with those kind of books people are tolerating now. What was a casual creep up? Uh, if you're aware of that history, what did they start with? Um, a little, yeah, I can give you a little structure on it. So, for example, Mary Calderon was one of Alfred Kinsey's disciples. So she, again, believes children are sexual from birth. She uh, she was the director of Planned Parenthood. She left and got some money from Hugh Hefner, and he f- helped her found Psychus, which is the Sexual Information and Education Council of the United States. Now, Psychus is the most powerful sex ed organization in America, and they have materials in every school, every public school in America. So it, I, my guess on you know, what they did is they had to be gradual. You couldn't come out to the masses and just put this hardcore stuff in there. You had to make slow cultural shifts. So they did it in various ways we can see it. Um, the sexual revolution. You know, eventually, you know, feminism, separating women from their families, putting them into the workforce, and then ultimately telling women, oh, you can also sleep around the way men, you know, the way men do and not feel it, not have any emotional attachment, and creating what we now have, you know, you can see in the past five, 10 years, we've been talking about sex positivity, which Mm -hmm. tells kids that they deserve, children, that they deserve to have a healthy sex life, and they should be able to do whatever they want, and they are sexual beings, and this is what... And they're putting sex at the center of a person's identity instead of their character, their morals, their work that they bring to the world, their purpose, you know, their values. Mm-hmm. So it, it, can you see how that happened even, say, from the 60s, the sexual revolution until now? And now they have it where they are telling kids that, you know, STDs aren't even a big deal. Um, oh, and I think yeah. it's, a lot of it is about money. Because, um, you know, if you break down the family, every you have more people paying taxes into the world. And also, you know, the medical complex makes a fortune on abortion and STDs. And there's a this is this is big money. And now they've added gender transition treatments to kids, which is already a multi-billion dollar industry every year. And there you go, baby. The root of all evil is the love of money. It always comes back to that, doesn't it, right? And that's why God (laughs) says you can't serve God or mammon. It's always money. It's sad. It's sad. Joey, jump in here. Yeah, so I think think there's another underreported part of it, too. Two parts. One, um, when you look at all the stuff, whether it's the body positivity movement or it's, you know, kids getting screens at younger and younger ages, all these things, what do they seek to do? Well, they make people <laughs> they make people dumber, they make people more compliant, right? More likely to go along if there's, you know, a, a public health emergency, whatever. Like they're more likely to listen to what they're told. Right. So if you're if you're a person who's in control of your, you know, your appetites, right, your sexual desires, you're 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 a freer person, right? That's what our founders would have called true liberty. Right. But instead they know if they can get the kids when they're young they're going to reject and rebel against that. But the other part of it, and I think this is changing with stuff like your video, stuff of the parents you've been seeing going to school boards is, I think for a long time, parents just did, A, didn't know the extent of what was going on in schools and weren't, like they kind of just trusted. They're like, listen, the school system is there for a reason. We drop our kids off, right? They educate them. That's what our parents did. Like, it's fine. And I think, that was part of the mistake, too, is trusting that authority. And I think COVID, um, when the schools got sh- um, thrown online and the parents now could see the curriculum, they could hear the things being said, um, I think it woke people up. And so what I like about your what you're doing and what so many others are doing is just keeping that fire. Because sometimes it's, it's easy for somebody to make a big deal about something for a while and then kind of let up pressure which I think would be the worst mistake. I think if anything, what parents should have seen and what, you know, just anything people should see is like, we've got to keep the pressure on. We can't, you know, we can't make a scene for a couple of years and then, you know, back off. But like, we got to put this pressure on the public schools. We got to put this pressure on our lawmakers to actually change it rather than just 
notice it. Well, how do we do that? I, I, pra- well, sorry. How do we do that yeah. practically? Yeah. I got to be honest. I, I don't see a, a soft, civilized, easy path. I think people are going to have to make some real sacrifices because it's not just that psychist that I was talking about. So the American Library Association is in every state and every school. They are pushing this. They, they, they're not even pretending that they aren't pushing it. They are actively mm-hmm. advocating for this kind of stuff for children. Uh, the teachers unions are also actively advocating it. So teachers are between a rock and a hard place, even if they are like us and they think children should be protected and their innocence should be shielded, they will lose their jobs and their pensions mm-hmm. if they fight back. So the and those organizations that I mentioned are so well-funded and so powerful that the only way to really make change, in my opinion, yes, go to school board meetings, call them out, put them in spotlight, pull your kids, get them out, make it, if it's going to be a financial sacrifice for a lot of people where, you know, some second income, you know, if you're a family with two incomes, you're blessed enough to have that, you know, you're going to have to go down to one income and save your children. Because this, and the only way for the system to really get rapid change is for it to fall apart and for them to hear the people and say, we're not giving you our children anymore until you fix this. Um, and that's why you hear like Randy Weingarten from the American Federation of Teachers railing against homeschool because homeschool is growing, uh, you know, every year it's going up and up and like something like, I think it's 11% of kids are homeschooled now. And she just goes off on it, even though the results are better, like by far on standardized tests and college admissions and everything. So they're getting scared because parents like me are telling other parents what's going on and telling them you can do it. You can homeschool your kids. It's going to be a sacrifice, but if we don't start making sacrifices to save our children and save our country, who is? The, the, the I, powers that are in charge are, are here to destroy us. And I agree with you. And for those listening or will listen in the future, my wife made a huge sacrifice. And it was one that we planned because she's a board certified doctor of internal medicine. But we knew the moment we had agreed upon this, even before we got married, the moment we had kids, we were going to find a way to keep her at home without losing her medical license. So we started our own business. We both work from home. We both help with the homeschooling because we saw in our respective fields, the markers coming a long way that that you can't trust school because no one's going to care for your children as much as you are. Even if they're good people, right, when their financial well-being's on the line, like you said, the pressure from the unions, the pressure of having a two-income home, that applies a lot of pressure on people. But we have to raise a society where we do the right thing for the right reasons, not just for benefits. I wanted to ask you about the older people you interviewed. I'm pretty sure not everything that was filmed made the cut of the documentary. But what was some of the, I guess, surprise? Because you could see it in their faces. Tell me a little bit more about their reactions. Because they didn't have this during their school days, that's for sure. Right. So that was my mother and a lot of her friends. who They live in a Mm -hmm. retirement community here in Florida. And I, I didn't tell them what the topic was. And when I said to them, you know, let's go back in time and tell me about what school was like for you, you know, they were excited to tell me about geography class and, you know, math. And when we got to the sex ed part, they explained that health class was very basic. It was here's what's going to happen to your body. Here's what can here's, you know, how a man and a woman how a woman can get, you know, pregnant. And I don't even know if they used that word at the time. I think it was might have still been a dirty word. And it was just very simple you know, and just birds and the bees. And that was enough. And, and it didn't talk about preferences, kinky behaviors, uh, sex toys. Like when I showed them, I had them in the book. It's it is one of the more entertaining parts of the movie when the, they're reading from these books and the, they were a mixture of shock and they started like nervous laughter because they couldn't believe they these words had never come out of their mouths before, <laughs> and the thought that and one of them got a little bit angry said, "What are you, is this really in schools?" 
how is this possible? You know, it yeah. some of the outtakes, you know, one of the, one of them, her daughter, her kids are all teachers actually. And, uh, you know, she kind of got upset. She goes, this is going to make teachers look bad. And, you know, my answer to that is I'm not trying to make teachers look bad. I'm trying to give the good teachers a, a tool that they can use to fight back. Mm-hmm. And because they what, need to fight. Back. Was that teacher sympathetic or just looking to protect was, her own? Uh, that was a woman who whose children, who her grown children are teachers. Mm. So, um, yeah, she was just feeling like. I was doing something to hurt to make teachers look bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, it's not really what I'm trying to do. But if, if that happens in the process, then that'll be good because then teachers will hopefully stand up for themselves and say, you know what? Yeah, we're not for this. Yeah. That's what needs to happen. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, it's funny. A, a friend of mine who is a teacher in Tennessee, she had mentioned this years ago, but with no concrete proof at the time, you know, teachers were being given directives to, you know, be accepting of all kinds of people. And it seems so far-fetched, yet now it's right in our face. What got me the most is the graphic nature of the books. You know, because words a kid may not even, a kid wouldn't be able to picture even graphic content, right? If it's just mm-hmm. word. But the pictures, ha- I know you probably couldn't show or probably didn't for editorial reasons. How graphic are these books? I know some of them were very graphic, but is it page after page after page? Uh, yeah, yeah, paint absolutely. the picture. It okay, wasn't yeah. it wasn't like, you know, one page in one of these books. There were a mm-hmm. lot of pages in all of these books uh, that create scenarios, words, and just because they're done in a cartoonish manner does mm. not make them uh g-rated or even pg or pg-13 these are r and x-rated images that are in these books um you know it was it was like i said it was embarrassing at first to show them to people but then after a while you know i felt empowered and i really feel like i have to shine Mm -hmm. light on this is some kind of evil to do this to kids uh there's a in the book gender queer there is uh so many graphic images and scenarios that are strictly for adults. And then in it, there's a reference to the website kink.com. Now, kink.com oh, yes. I remember is you said a that. Yeah. violent, hardcore S&M website. Why would a child need to even know that this exists? Mm-hmm. There's, they don't. Nobody needs to know it exists. If you're into that, go ahead, go do your thing, you know, but keep it away from the children. That's fine. It's funny you mentioned that because I remember you mention, mentioning that. And I thought about, well, you know, let me do due do, do diligence and verify that she's saying the truth. From there. And I said, you know what? That documentary is too good. I'm not even going to put that on my browser. <laughs> Know what I mean? If somebody would check my computer, yeah, I didn't even. I was like, yeah, I'll pass. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, you did the you did the work. Tell me about your relationship. How'd you get in connection with Gays Against Groomers? Because the first time I heard of them, I saw them on X. You know, on formerly known as Twitter. How'd you make the connection there? And what'd you think of their support for your film? They were fantastic. I, I reached out to them. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember if it was by email or on Twitter asking them. I think it was on email asking them if they'd be interested. And I told them the basis of the documentary. And I said, would you be interested in talking with me about this? And they said yes. And, uh, you know, of course, they were a little bit because they get a lot of hate. They were a little apprehensive. Mm-hmm. And they said, can we jump on a Zoom and talk about it? They wanted to meet me face to face that way and just make sure I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of a nut who was going to give them a hard time. We hit it off right away. They are wonderful people. And they are there. They agreed to work with me on the film because they're they've had a hand in 19 states uh, banning transgender surgeries for children and transgender oh. treatments. They are in state houses testifying. Mm. They are outside of state houses protesting and educating people. I mean, these people are so devoted to this cause that um, I'm so in awe of how fast they've grown that organization. And we're still in touch and, you know, they're still helping me here and there promote the film. And mm-hmm. um, we're going to be doing more stuff together. 
they're wonderful. And I really admire that, you know, they're willing to say like, this isn't us. This isn't what we mm -hmm. wanted. Don't hate us. Don't hate all of us because we are just, we just wanted the right to get married and have mm -hmm. the same legal opportunities as everyone else in America. Mm -hmm. And we got that and we were done. And it's true because this is hurting the gay community because approval of the gay community is, is plummeting. And it's really not their fault, all of them. Mm -hmm. It's the ones that are pushing, that have glommed onto this, pushing this agenda on kids. I mean, why do, do kindergartners need a book about who they're attracted to? That's insanity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And not only yeah. that, you know, go ahead, Joe. Well, I was just going to say, I, one thing that I, pre I appreciated about the film is that you had them in there. Because, like, listen, Gio and I, we're conservative Christians, right? We have certain views about biblical sexuality and all those things. And we're not going to shy away from that. We'll talk about that. But one of the things I appreciated about, for the purpose of this film, and this was what I was alluding to before, listen, in, in our political society, we're going to have all kinds of people, right? Like, there are certain strains who think that, you know, we can mandate a certain kind of life. We can't do it, right? Like, as Christians, we can preach Oh, we wouldn't want to. Yeah, exactly. But politically, right, we're going to have to live together. And adults who disagree on things, right, we can, we should, right, for most of our history, we could all agree, listen, children are one thing, adults are a different thing. There are certain things that maybe Gio and I don't agree with. And guess what? An adult can do in the front, you know, like, I, I don't have to agree with it. And they don't have to agree with my opinion. Yeah. But we can, as long as we we can function in a society as long as we can agree that there's a distinction between children and adults. And I liked that you had the gays against groomer there because it proves that this is an issue that doesn't have to be partisan. It's become partisan, but I wish our friends on the yeah. left could uh, take some cues from, uh, from that group. Yeah, no well, doubt. And that's, well, go ahead. You're our guest. No, no, go no, ahead. Please. No, no, thanks. Um, okay. I have a friend who's very liberal and she watched it and she said, I'm so glad you had gays against groomers in there. I think it, I hadn't intended it that way, but it gave me a smidge of credibility with her, you know, because I am, you know, outward conservative Christian and, you know, I don't need the Bible to tell me to protect children. You know, that's like, yes, I, I have the strength for this fight because of the Bible, but that has mm. nothing to do with protecting children. And I, you know, it, it did help to open more doors and more eyes and um, it, have people consider something differently because they're in the film. Yeah. Yeah. And no doubt. And I think it was a good move because as Joey was alluding to, when we can agree on things, then let's work together. Let's work together to protect the children because in the bottom line, they are the innocent ones. Something that was also the film made me think about is the rising uh, proclivity to uh, maps, right? Minor attracted persons. What has been, what have you been hearing the more you are diving into this? What are some of the pushes? You know, sometimes we need to know what the enemy is doing so we can combat it. What are some of the issues that are going along with that? You know that issue is go is get is so deep that I I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm even well versed on it because it is mm. ever changing. I do know that the I, I can see where it's going. That when you take children and you make them comfortable with or used to hearing about sex that you know with adults and about adults and preferences and kink that you're just opening you're what you're doing is opening the door for pedophiles or minor attracted persons which is just an absurd you know a, a glossing over of what's really happening here so you're taking a kid and you're making them you know you're breaking down their barriers and even if their instincts are going off and saying this isn't right this isn't right when an adult inappropriately touches them or has a conversation with them they're they're going to they're going to just freeze up and they're not even going to push back because they are also being told that, you know, this is right. And you, and you should be, you know, you should be experimenting in this area. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really sad, the grooming that's going on. So I think I see coming down from the white house, things like the equality act, 
mm-hmm. which would allow for, you know, anybody, no matter how they identify to, you know, a man in a dress can go into a women's chill, uh, locker room, dressing room or bathroom. And, you know, so now again, if you make children used to adult nudity and being very close with naked people, when the man walks into a girl's locker room at a pool house, mm-hmm. you know, what happens there, they won't even say anything because they've been told you have to be nice. You have to be polite. And you yeah. know what? Children were always taught you don't have to be polite to someone that's trying to hurt you. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. that's when you scream, you, you know, stranger danger. And now it's shut up and be polite because that man, that naked man belongs there with you. And that's coming from the White House. So I, 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 I don't know what's going on on the underground, but I see all these things and mm-hmm. the picture is forming. So how do we educate our children? Like imagine you're talking right now to the homeschool parent. How do you advise them? Because even though they're homeschool parents, they have kids, right? Sometimes they have play dates with kids. Sometimes they visit other kids' parents' houses. What should a parent be looking for that may give them a hint that their kids are being exposed to something they don't want them to be exposed to? You know, that's a really tough question because you have television, you have social media, you have other kids. Uh, if you're homeschooling and you're spending eight hours a day awake with your children, you are eons ahead of everyone else. Um, I would say I would very much limit children's screen time alone. Mm-hmm. And I really don't think, I think we have to start a movement of not, not giving children smartphones. If your children is your children are going to be separated from you and they need a fo- you want them to have a phone to call you, give them a flip phone. Yeah, a watch, a flip phone. I mean, you're, you know, whatever it takes. Give them a, a long-range walkie-talkie. I don't <laughs> care. We have to get these smartphones out of the hands of children because a lot of these people that are pushing these ideas, you know, they look really innocent, you know, on these innocent apps. You know, TikTok, you might see your kid looking at cat videos, but then the predator pops up. Mm-hmm. And I showed mm-hmm. some of them in the film. Yeah, yeah. So you have to keep that. Um, and, and you just, I think if you're homeschooling, you have a better shot. I would hope that you have a better and more communication with your kid. I think the people that really need to hear our message is the people that are sending their kids to school every day. And what I say is you wouldn't let your kids sit in a, a vat of poison all day long and then give them a bath and say that they're okay because it mm-hmm. seeps in. And that, and that's what happens. Your kid goes and gets indoctrinated for eight hours a day in school and comes home and you say, I don't buy any of that. That's nonsense. You don't have a shot mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. eight hours with a quick conversation. So you have to yeah. get ahead of it. Get ahead of it. You know, tell your kids, here's what's going on out in the world. And here's why it's wrong. And, and just be honest. I mean, I'm not an expert, but that's, I, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sh- straight well, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you don't need to be an expert to speak from the heart, right? When you're yeah. living it in the sense of, what would you say are the most dangerous social media? Because look, I'm on X, and I hear that there's a lot of bad things on X, but I don't see it. And I guess because I'm not looking for it, but I'm pretty sure it's there. Which are some of the ones that parents should be more leery of? What I hear out there is uh, TikTok. Snapchat that there's you know underworlds there, but mm. we just we just learned this week that Meta knew that children were being exposed to adult nudity on Instagram and Facebook um, mm. it, uh, for years, and they did nothing about it. So so there is no safe social media, and then there are apps mm. that you the three of us have never heard of because you know compared to the kids, we're old fogies. And they have things for years before we even hear about them, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and I don't know any parent that has the time or, or the desire to go through their child's phone and look at, at the history of everything they clicked. Mm-hmm. So the safest way is to just not have it there or have it, you know, give your child access to the Internet in limited spurts so that you have more control over the person that your child is, is, is growing into. Yeah. And look, um, I'm not talking about 
children's stuff. But I remember going to a religious school before I was converted and then going back to the same religious school after I was converted. And I found two different crowds. So it, it, it does matter, right, what you teach your children to look for. And I, I agree with your comment, you know, the flip phone. I told my girls, they're not getting a smartphone till they leave the house. <laughs> if they want something to communicate, they're getting a smart watch, right? Because they can call me, they can text me. I can see where they are by tracking them. And then I get in a smartphone. That's nuts. Joey wants to get rid of smartphones, right, Joey? <laughs> yeah, I, well, for for other reasons. But um, one one of the things that I don't think because most parents, I mean, most kids do have screens, right? Like the average toddler can't even like when they get a magazine, they start taking their finger. And I don't think parents realize the level to which the like. I don't think most parents are bad people. Like right? they don't want to expose their kid to things, but they just don't realize the level to which these things are being used. Listen, I'm, I'm going to go Christianese here, but by the enemy of souls, right? Like mm-hmm. when I, when I see this level of darkness, when I watch your film, it's not just ordinary evil, because like we were saying before, generally speaking, reasonable people should be able to agree on this. And when we can't, when we can't agree on the innocence of children, there's something else going on, right? We, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but on the, on your comments on the phone and on the screens, I have yet to see one good argument of of the rewards outweighing the risks for uh, for kids having devices, and yet so many parents still do it. So it's like I've heard Matt Walsh say, you know, we need to have a ban on. I don't know how that would work, but it's like how do you how do you get through to parents and to people who do love their kids, like? that this stuff is dangerous, that their kids shouldn't have it because it hasn't been that successful when I've had those conversations. No, they don't. And um, they just say, uh, oh, yeah, well, you try you try to take it away from them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, well, here in, here in Florida, they just instituted a new law where there's no, no phones all day at school. You're not allowed to have your phone. Um, and okay. so apparently it's already, it's already yielding results where teachers feel like the kids are more engaged and they're happier and they're in, they're interacting with each other more and so they're kind of like pushing the the time machine back which mm-hmm. is fantastic um I, again it's just like i said earlier like we got to feel some pain if we want to make a real change yes. in this country and the parents are just going to have to get over it oh your kid your kid is mad at you Oh, welcome to Boo-hoo. reality. Yeah, that's life. You're not you're you know, you you're not always going to be their their favorite person when you start you know, building boundaries. And we have to not put, you know, let toddlers be babysat by devices because mm-hmm. even muppet babies. You saw the muppet babies when they turned Gonzo into Gonzarella a year or so ago. Oh wow, um, I so, didn't even know yes, that. Yes, baby toddler cartoons are teaching them about you know uh, they, they they may be in the wrong body, mm-hmm. so like get, let's just just rip it rip it away from them. I we our children are being poisoned, and I can't say it enough. And I sound like a crazy person, you know, because no, you I don't. never I was you know raised in the eighties, and pop culture was fun. And it mm-hmm. didn't hurt us, you know. Um, and now I'm like, get your kids out of school, take away their devices. We're in a battle of evil versus good. And I, you know, I just have seen the the truth. And I can't you, you know, just say it enough. You you mentioned you were raised in the '80s, so was I. You remember when uh, Madonna's "Like a Prayer" the video was such a scandal, Big and scandal. now. And now a couple of years ago, you had WAP. Like, it makes Madonna's like a prayer <laughs> video tame compared to this. Compared when can, to, yeah. yeah, you had mentioned um, YouTube kind of banned you or stuff, or at least the documentary. Where's the main place people can watch your documentary? I know I can see it on your AmericanGroomerFilm.com. Is there yeah. any other places or is that the main place? Uh, yep. Yeah, no, that's the main place. Go to AmericanGroomerFilm.com and it's it's right there. When you get there, it's free to watch. 
Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to be adding more to the website, more about the okay. the obscenity exemptions statutes mm -hmm. and, you know, more press appearances as they come up because people are doing a great job of helping me spread the word. But it is up to the people that watch it to share it with their friends and their family. And if I could have it my way, I would have people having little watch parties, parties in their house with fellow parents and saying, mm -hmm. hey, let's get together and make sure we're not, this isn't happening in our schools. Because I realize it's not realistic for everyone to pull their kids out of school. There are a lot of single mm -hmm. parent households in this country, but parents can put aside their own habits, hobbies, desires to spend more time fighting for their children. We have to, we've been asleep at the wheel for far too long in America as citizens. And we're not, you can't just go to the voting booth once a year and think you're doing your part. It's gotten really bad, and we got to we got to step in, which is how I got here. Amen, amen. Tell the people where they can find you. I know you have a Twitter handle. You you're on TikTok and Instagram. Let them know your handle and where they can find you if they need to contact you. What's the best way to do so? Yeah, so you can find me at the Based Mother on Twitter mm -hmm. and Instagram and TikTok. And on the website, uh, you, there, you, there's contact information there also on AmericanGroomerFilm.com. Okay. And now you got to tell me how you came up with that wonderful name, The Based Mother. <laughs> okay. So my son had me do uh, some reaction videos on YouTube about a year and a half ago. I had never planned on being camera. I'm being on mm -hmm. camera ever. And um, we did some reaction videos to Andrew Tate, um, who had been accused of sex trafficking and all this stuff that there was never any evidence for. And uh, I, you know, I defended him a little bit. So Andrew Tate caught wind of our video and he said, wow, this woman is speaking facts. Have you heard of the based mother? And that's how I got the nickname from Andrew Tate. Mm. Oh, wow. Also, so, oh, so it was I've after him. Yeah, yeah. It was after him that you decided, Hey, that, that that's catchy. Cool. Some insight here. I didn't know that. What's yeah. your next step? Uh, um, is will there be a part two or yeah? Well, what's in the future as you fight I this battle? I hope there's no part two. I hope we can solve mm. this problem in the next year. So my plan is to you know, uh, people have asked me, are you going to start a foundation and start an organization? And I don't think that that is what I'm called to do. You know, I mm -hmm. think I'm, I am the person who's putting the facts together, telling the truth and getting it out there. So what I'm doing is I'm starting to talk to organizations that are doing the work and I'm getting more involved in, in, the, in their uh, efforts. And I'm saying you can bring me mm -hmm. to speak. I will testify at any state house. I will come in and speak at any event. I will share my film and make it accessible to everybody so they can use mm -hmm. it. Um, so right now I'm just on the awareness mission to just okay. get the word out. So I'm coming on shows like this mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm just a lone ranger out here. I'm not part of any organization. And I think it's, I think it's the right move right now. Um, mm -hmm. I pray about it. I pray about it and I just see the way the path is unfolding and that's, you know, I'm trusting that I'm on the right place mm -hmm. in the right place right now. Well, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I'm in several Bible studies. I'm going to share with them Tuesday night, uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night. And I'm also a minister. So I'm going to put it, the link to the film in my church's newsletter and have the congregation wow. look at it. You know, those who want to watch it. Because I have three daughters, eight, five, and two. And my wife and I see what's coming and we homeschool. We can do that. But like you said, there are single parent households that can't do that or or people who just can't afford to do that. And we want to be able to help however can. Joey, give us some words and then we'll have our guests say the last words. Yeah. So, no, just as you were speaking there, there was, I was just thinking of a sermon I recently heard. Right. So some people, when they think of prophecy they think of a prophet someone who has um the um you know has vi visions and whatever but that's actually not it there's another prophetic role which just telling the truth as it is in scripture right telling the truth and proclaiming it loudly and the church right and christians and people of faith we have an obligation to do that so what you're doing like yeah you're not it's prophetic you're yeah you're getting the mission out there that is a prophetic work um and so you know we'll definitely be praying for you as you continue doing it 
And um, one thing I wanted to say to our audience out there and like leave them on like an action call is yes, like you should listen to everything you're saying. You should get your kids out of the school. But here's the thing. We all still pay, whether we send our kids to public schools or not, we still pay taxes. And so we actually, in your local public school, you don't remind me to show up to every school board meeting and they can't turn you away. And if they do, you can make a stink about it. You have a right to make your voice heard. Even if you have no kids there, you have a right to vote in those school board elections. These things matter, right? Right now we're in election season. Everybody's focused on the top, but these, these school board elections, right? These things matter way, way more in my opinion. And so know who's running for your school board. If nobody good is, Run yourself. Like, I'm just saying that to our audience out there. Like, do something, right? We can, we, you can watch this video and then you can, uh, and go away and do nothing. Or you can watch it, be inspired, and go out and do your own part. And many hands make light work. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you. Give us a final closing thought. What would you like the audience to do? I would like the audience to watch the film and share it with other parents and grandparents and share it with teachers. And then I'd like them to get out into their school board meetings and start asking all the hard questions. What's going on in our schools? Tell us what books you have in the libraries and tell us what's happening. And if they push back, and I, quite frankly, that's a little bit suspicious. You know, they're going to mm -hmm. say, we don't want to be watched that heavily. Well, Unfortunately, this is where bad things are happening to our children all around the country, and it's time for us to put some feet to the fire. Yep, it's time to stand up, America. Elena, uh, sorry, my Spanish accent came, came out there. Elena, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for the video. And once again, all those who want to watch it, AmericanGroomerFilm.com. It's in the show notes. And visit it. Watch it, share it. You can follow her on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all under the base, the mother. Cool name. Thank you very much and God bless. God bless. Thank you. Have a great evening.